Well, can we welcome you one and all to our midweek prayer meeting and Bible study? The Reverend Park is on his way, but he's just going to be a few minutes late, so he's asked us to uh, commence the service and then hopefully he'll be along soon. We're going to begin by turning to hymn number 519, Brightly Beams Our Father's Mercy, from his lighthouse evermore, but to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the wave, some poor fainting, struggling seamen, you may rescue, you may save. Standing as we sing this great old gospel hymn, please. time of prayer we want to remember our brother Peter Moy. Uh, Peter was taken into hospital and that's where Mr. Park is returning from just now. Uh, he had taken very very poorly and um, Marlene is up there with him uh, and Simon and our brother needs a lot of prayer at the moment. He's extremely unwell. And then you have possibly heard the very, very sad news of Johnny Jordan, one of our students, and his wife, Claire. Their little boy, Matthew, passed into the, the presence of the Saviour just last night. 
10 months old. Please pray that they may experience the grace of God which is all sufficient and pray for the grandparents too and the wider family circle. And so we want to particularly remember these two prayer requests as we come to the throne of grace now in prayer. Let us all pray. Eternal, most gracious and heavenly Father, as we bow before thee this evening, we do so in the name of thy Son and our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for all that he accomplished on the cruel cross of Calvary and for their securing redemption on behalf of his blood-bought people. Truly we can say that none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found the sheep that was lost. We do thank thee, Lord, that we can look back to that time when thou didst seek and save these souls of ours, when we were plucked as brands from the burning, engrafted into the true vine, and made heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We thank thee, Lord, that thou didst plant our feet upon a solid rock. You placed a new song in our hearts, even praises unto our God. And Lord, we return thanks unto thee for thy provision and thy hand of blessing upon us from the day of our conversion when we called upon thy name to this very day. We're very aware, Lord, of those times when we have often failed thee, when we have sinned and come short of the glory of God, when the frown as God has has been upon our walk and upon our witness. And yet, Lord, we rejoice that thou art long-suffering towards thy people. We do thank thee for those times when perhaps we have been away on the mountains, wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd's care, and yet the Lord Jesus has come after us. Bringing us back into the fold, into that strait, and into that narrow way. Very mindful this evening of these two prayer requests that have come before us. We think of our brother Peter, of his life, of his witness, of his testimony. We thank the Heavenly Father for that day and hour when he called upon thy name. Think of his dear wife and of Simon also and Lord as he is in the hospital ward this evening we pray that you will give the doctors, the nurses, those who oversee his medical care, wisdom guidance and discernment we just uphold him before thee Lord and we, we pray that thou wilt be pleased to put thy healing hand Upon him. We think, Lord, of our brother Johnny Jordan and his dear wife Claire. We're very conscious of the, the great sorrow that has come into this home over these last 24 hours when Matthew, the dear child of just 10 months, was taken into eternity. And Lord, we 
often look at situations such as this and find them difficult to comprehend. We, we just don't have the words in our vocabulary to explain, to try to fathom all that's going on in the life of this young couple. Very conscious, Lord, that they had planned to go on holiday this, this weekend. All the plans, all the preparations had been made. Now this dark providence has come upon them. Lord, we pray that thou wilt draw graciously near in these days. Thank thee for calling our brother forth to labor in the word and to study for the Christian ministry. Lord, this is a real test of faith for this young family. We pray that they might be conscious of the prayers of the people of God. Sending before the eternal throne on their behalf. We ask of thee that thou wilt draw graciously near. And give grace to help in times of need. We think of both sets of grandparents and how, how heavy their hearts are as well. Lord we just ask that thou wilt come upon them in a special way. In a supernatural way. And as preparations are made now for the thanksgiving service of the life of this young child, we pray, Lord, that through the ministry of thy word, thou wilt speak to needy hearts and souls. We know not the detail at the moment, but we pray, Lord, that whoever will labor in the word at that thanksgiving service might do so with the anointing of the Spirit of God upon him. Grant that he might bring comfort and consolation through thy truth to this family. We do thank thee for the very fact that we can gather together as thy people this evening and we can gather around thy word and collectively we can seek the throne of grace and Lord, as we do so later in the service, we pray that the Spirit of God might move upon us. That thou wilt move from seat to seat, from heart to heart, and stir the souls of thy people. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt enable us to keep both of these families, even at this stage, upon our hearts. So bless us, undertake for our pastor as he travels to be with us this evening. Bless him with all spiritual blessings in Christ as he brings a word later in the service we pray. For we ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. We're going to turn for our second hymn to hymn number 513. Blessed is the service of our Lord and King. Precious are the jewels we may help to bring. Down the passing ages, words of counsel ring, he that winneth souls is wise.
Amen. If you see me looking at the door, then I'm waiting for Mr. Park to appear. And if these notices are dragged out, it's, there's a reason behind it all, uh, because I have no message this evening. We want to welcome you one and all to our midweek prayer meeting and Bible study, and a special word of welcome to those who are joining us on Sermon Audio, Facebook, and YouTube. Just a few announcements. Uh, tomorrow evening is uh, the um, new year as far as our general presbytery is concerned. The, the new year for the presbytery starts in uh, the month of September and so we're to meet in the martyrs tomorrow evening, uh, the elders of the church here at 8pm. And then please remember the uh, barbecue that's planned for Saturday evening at 5.30. We want as, as many as possible to join with us on Saturday evening for this Back to Sunday School Church Barbecue, uh, which takes place uh, this Saturday. It should go on for a couple of hours, and there are going to be some uh, games for the children and fun for all, and, uh, well, it will be a surprise, hopefully, uh, for a few people when you come along, and, of course, uh, we have some food for you as well. Please remember the services on the Lord's Day. We always commence, of course, with the, the early morning time of prayer at 8 a.m. The midday service at 12 noon when the preacher and the will of the Lord will be our pastor. The pre-service prayer meeting in the evening at 6.30. And then, of course, it's the family night service at 7 p.m. Sandra Marshall will be along uh, in order to bring a personal word of testimony and it will also take the form of a valedictory service as our brother Greg Gibson returns to Bible College. There will be a retiring offering for our brother Greg as he returns to the Whitfield. There are some invitations and they're at the, the back of the hall, uh, they're in the foyer area and again if we can circulate these and get them out to as many folks as possible we would more than appreciate that. Refreshments, of course, will be served and the ladies of the congregation are asked to bring along half a dozen loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns, if you can, please. On Monday, the Hebron Tots recommences at 10am. And the Lord has been pleased to bless this witness as mums bring along their, their little ones and it's an opportunity to get to know uh, families from within the area and so please remember to to pray for for this ministry uh, it's open to all children aged from um, of course just months old through to three years of age and then of course we have preparation for the mission and I am so pleased that our pastor <laughs> has arrived brother you don't know how happy I am to see you <laughs> Right, well, I, I'm going to let you take over from here, brother, because we're just on to the mission. And um, thank you most sincerely. If I was another religion, I, I would say, um, don't even get time to cross myself, but <clears throat> don't even get time to pray. But uh, thank you very much, Phil, for standing in. Uh, we went to the hospital to see Peter. As you know, Peter's uh, very, very unwell. 
And uh, the news earlier was that he was unresponsive and they're just keeping an eye on him. So it looks as if uh, Peter's had a seizure and uh, it's not looking good for him, but he's in the hands of the Lord. Preparation for the mission (coughs) is Monday the 4th to the 8th, Friday night the 8th, and we normally have two nights of outreach, so Monday and Tuesday night we'll go out under the doors at 7, and then the other three nights, Wednesday to Friday, are prayer meetings. Uh, Sunbeams, preschool, we've got an appeal here for workers, even if you could do two days a month, so there's a lot of children coming to Sunbeams, I think they'll be starting with at least 12, and by Christmas they'll be 20. So that's, that's a lot of kids need to look after. So if you can help, please let us know. <coughs> the Gospel Mission is the 10th to the 24th of September in Dalryada High School with the opportunity to go there this week and spy out the land and see the hall. It's the John Armstrong, is it? John Armstrong um, called after our moderator. <laughs> so there, there it is, seated and all. It can seat up to 400 people. It'd be great if we could get that filled, but anyhow, we'll use part of it for the mission. And uh, remember the 40th anniversary concert later on in September and the special testimony meeting in the month of October, the 15th of October. I want to keep that in mind. And I want to thank all that have helped with the shoebox appeal. Now tonight, as we send out the little announcement um, we want to acknowledge that Vika and her children, Ilya, or Lucia, and uh, Emily, they're going back to Ukraine. This came very, very quickly. For some reason we had it in our minds that there was another week, but it's actually tomorrow, and Vika will be taking leave. She'll be returning to join her husband back in Ukraine. And uh, Vika, we're going to ask you to come and say something. And then we'll have a special prayer. But anyhow, just before you do that, make a few photographs. Do you, do you remember this moment? <laughs> yeah. So the pictures will tell the story because this was the moment of arrival in Northern Ireland in Altergrove Airport. And this was the extended Sunday school. So we had all these children for our Ukrainian Sunday school. And you can see... Uh, Lucia on that Lord's Day when he arrived as part of the class and I suppose our Ukrainian friends became part of our church life, came with us to various things so um, we had Vika on the Swans in Bangor the Sunday school trip Uh, we even had her out getting ice cream on the 12th of July and uh, then a very very momentous thing happened because when she came to Northern Ireland she was with child and that child was born and brought home uh, to our home just a couple of days later so that was a very special moment you may remember this it was BBC Newsline and she did an interview um, that went went out across the airwaves very successfully just telling the story of our friends coming to this country and what it meant Uh, for her to leave her husband behind and to come here and have a baby in this country. And so the little one was welcomed uh, into our home back then. And the children, they they took part on Children's Day and so forth. 
There, there's many other photographs that I could show, but that, that just gives you a flavour of what's been happening over the past 16 months since you've been with us. Now, I, Anna, you're here, so Anna's going to interpret, and then we're going to have special prayer. So, Vika, if you'd like to come here and, and speak, and Anna, and use the microphone as best as you can. Dear Hebron Church, I would like to say a big thank you to each of you for taking part in my life, for welcoming me and my children, and for giving us everything we needed. You have been so kind to us. And special thank you to Mr. Park and to Susan. You accepted us and treated us like people who are your family. You looked after me and you took care of me and my children and you worried about me. Thank you to everybody who was so kind and gave us gifts when Emily was born. I was so touched by your kindness and congratulations. Special thank you to Rebecca. She supported me and visited me. When Emily was one month old, she was quite unwell, and Rebecca helped me. Special thank you to Annette for giving me a foot massage when I badly needed it. Thank you for visiting us. Thank you to Emma and Franklin. Thank you for making me a photo album. You've always prayed for me and for us. And thank you to Karen for looking after us and taking us shopping when we moved to a new house. Special thank you to Robin who was our driver and took us places. Thank you to Elaine for teaching our children. And thank you to Anna for looking after us. Thank you Marvin for the thank Thank you to each and one of you, every one of you. You've all, you will always be in my heart. Uh, through your church, I have seen the kindness of God and the kindness and the love shown by God's people. 
I have seen a real church as it says in the Bible. Praise the Lord. And now that we have to go to, back to our country, to our daddy, I would ask you all to pray for my family and not forget us. Thank you very much. I'm sorry about crying. We'll get the children up as well and we'll, we'll pray. Maybe your elders have just come up as well, if that's okay, just to stand with us. And the elders from the Ukrainian church, pastor. So we can see you. We visited the home this afternoon and Emily had just wakened. And I said, do you think she'll come to me? So I went over and the lip dropped and I said, I'm not going any further. Uh, but it's okay. We want to remember these folks in prayer. We'll ask the Ukrainian pastor to lead us in order of prayer. And then one of our elders will pray as well. Brennan, just as you feel led. All right. Remember these folks. They're going back to a country that's still at war, and there are many dangers as well. So we, we commit them into the hands of God. Our gracious Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And for the love you've shown to us, not because of our deeds, but because you love us. I pray to you, Lord, about Vika and her family. You know that she is leaving tomorrow. And you know everything that the future holds for her. We ask you for protection for Vika's family in Ukraine. Please meet every need of Vika and her family. And please use them in your work. We praise you for everything, Lord. Amen. 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 Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father. Not all worthy and precious name of thy dear Son. Мы молимся тебе и приходим к тебе через сына твоего. Мы приходим к Тебе и складяемся перед Тобой. Мы благодарим Тебя за милость Твою в нашей жизни. И в 
Благодарим Тебя за то, что показал нам свою любовь в эти трудные дни. Спасибо, что Ты сохранил Вику и ее семью и привел их сюда, в Балимане. Мы молимся за Вику и ее семью, как она возвращается назад домой. Чтобы она продолжала знать о милости Господа в своей жизни. Мы благодарим Тебя, Господи, за Твою заботу. За Твою любовь, которую Ты показываешь тем, кто следует за Тобой. Защити ее и сделай так, чтобы она знала милость Господа каждый день. Мы молимся за Вику, за ее мужа, за ее семью и детей, и также молимся за каждую украинскую семью, которую мы знаем. Чтобы они знали милость Господа в своей жизни. Мы молимся. Аминь. If Vic is still here at the end, we'll get her to go to the door and you can you can speak to her. All right. There is a hymn that we want to sing, Vika, that's appropriate. It's 568 in her hymn book. And it says, Be not dismayed, whatever be tied. And maybe a translation could be given even for the opening verse, Anna. <clears throat> God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you. And that's the theme. That's the theme through the whole hymn. God will take care of you. We're going to stand and, and sing this hymn together.
Let's read together some verses from Romans chapter 13, the last few verses of the chapter. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11 through to verse 14. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is your salvation or our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light, and let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Ending our reading at verse 14, let's have a wee word of prayer. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this meeting tonight. We know that part of why we're meeting here is to prepare ourselves for the mission. Part of why we meet tonight is to think about Vika and her future, her travels tomorrow as she makes her way back to Ukraine. And to remember in the coming days when perhaps she has many challenges to face and dangers as well, we pray that we'll know the truth of the hymn that we've sung together, that God will take care of her in a very special way in our family. We pray that you'll settle our minds and our hearts down into your presence now, into your word, and give us understanding in the things of God. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One verse I want to single out, and it is the 11th verse as I speak, and I hope appropriately tonight, on the wake-up call. You know what a wake-up call is. We all need a wake-up call. And sometimes you get that in the morning when the alarm goes off. Uh, Well, you need a wake-up call in God's work too. And here the apostle is saying, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. One man, perhaps more than any other Christian worker in the New Testament, carried a tremendous burden in his heart. Not only for the lost and the perishing, and that's what we're thinking about, especially coming up to the mission, but also for those who were already converted. In fact, the apostles spoke about the care of all the churches. And it comes in that section of the Word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and I would commend to you verse 22 to 28. I haven't time perhaps to read all the verses that I would like to bring to your attention tonight, but I can give you the quotation I can give you where it's found and you can look it up for yourself. But Paul talked about all the way that he suffered in that passage of scripture. And then he says, beside the things that come unto me, as he thought about the care of all the churches. Matthew Henry suggests that he mentions this last, as if this lay the heaviest upon him. And as if he could better bear all the persecutions of his enemies than the scandals that were to be found in the churches he had the oversight of. All the love and the concern that the great apostle had for the churches, it led him to write messages by the inspiration of God. 
And one day, probably in the city of Corinth, amidst a busy and demanding schedule, the great apostle retires from the hustle and the bustle of the streets, and he finds himself a secluded spot where he could gather together his thoughts, and he begins to concentrate upon another city some 600 miles away, and he writes a letter to this congregation containing a message from the Lord. And so the letter begins in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, and taken verse 7 because he tells us who he writes to, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the book, of course, falls into two main sections, as I think most of you know. We have the doctrinal section, which is the first 11 chapters of this epistle. Paul, first of all, has this object in mind to set before the congregation the great plan of redemption so that there would be no doubt whatsoever in the minds of these Roman Christians as to the truth of the gospel. How a sinner, lost, undone, ruined, can be justified by faith and sanctified by the Spirit. And then comes the, the practical section, verse or chapter 12 through to chapter 16, the practical teaching. And what Paul does here is he teaches the believers what their duties were before God. You get onto the foundation. You make sure that you're justified by faith and the Spirit is working in your life. You're soundly converted. You know the Lord. Here's how to live. And we have that from the 11th chapter onwards. So, for example, chapter 12 and verse 1 we have our duty to God. And what is that duty? It's the surrendered life. We are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And then we have in verse 3, our duty to ourselves. And I'll just give you the outline. Chapter 12, verse 10, our duty to our friends. Chapter 12, verse 14, our duty to our enemies. And then chapter 13, verses 1 to 10, our duty to the state and to society in general. Now, in the last few verses of the chapter, the believers are taught four lessons, showing them how to live and how to behave. Verse 11, which is our text, when to awake. Verse 12, how to dress. Verse 13, how to walk. And verse 14, what provision to make. And it is the first of these that I want to consider because it appears that, that these believers, many of them, had fallen asleep spiritually. Even though the gospel was still being preached, the services were still being conducted, and regular church life and activity was continuing, these people, by and large, had fall, fallen asleep. And so Paul gives this wake-up call in our text. It is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. And of course, this message is up to date. It's appropriate. It's fitting. This is a word in season for us 
All these centuries later, it's for us today. Certain characteristics will be prevalent among God's people in the end times. These latter days will be marked by certain features. Sadly, the believing church will be stamped with lukewarmness. You think of Revelation chapter 3, the message of Christ to the Laodicean church that were neither cold nor hot. They were lukewarm. They were in danger of being spewed out of the mouth of Christ because lukewarmness makes Christ sick, if we can put it in those terms. And when we're, these days in which we're living, the church of Jesus Christ is going to be stamped with lukewarmness. But not only lukewarmness, lovelessness. Matthew 24, the great sermon on the second coming of Christ, the Lord told his hearers and tells us still today that in the end times that mark the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of many, not just a few, but the love of many will wax cold. And that day is among us. We're living in that day of lovelessness. And then another characteristic is sleepiness. In chapter 25 of the Gospel of Matthew, he deals with that in the parable of the virgins, the ten virgins, five were wise, five were foolish. But you know the thing that was common to them both? They all fell asleep. They all slumbered and slept, says Jesus. Even the wise, representing the true people of God. And these are three great characteristics to be found in the present age. Lukewarmness, lovelessness, and sleepiness. And Paul is taking up this thought in our text. He's talking about Christians being asleep and needing to be awakened. It's possible for a Christian, you know, to fall into a rut and to be satisfied with just ordinary things. And the Bible defines that as, as being asleep. All right, I hope you see the analogy that is given to us here in God's word. And just by the way, the only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth. All right? Don't want you to fall into a rut. And maybe you are in a rut tonight. We certainly want you to get out of it. We want to give you a wake-up call from the Lord tonight. So let's, let's look at our text and our three simple thoughts. There is the awareness of the believer. And in the opening part of our text, Paul says, verse 11 of Romans 13, and that knowing the time. There was something that Paul was very much aware of. He knew the time. And the little phrase that is used here, knowing the time, refers to the character of the age in which he lived, the spirit of that generation. Knowing the time for us is pointing to these end times, the latter days, that final era before the glorious coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not to be ignorant of what is happening in this age in which we live. We are to be aware of the kind of a day in which we live. Now what kind of a day is it? Well, it's, it's a time that is perilous. Isn't this what the apostle took up when he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and the opening verses? Know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And if you want to know the, the character of those perilous times, read on. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, 
disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And he then gives this exhortation from such turn away. Days of corruption and sin, in other words. And each week that passes seems to bring with it more perverseness. As we look around, we see that certainly happening. Mankind is, is sinking deeper and deeper into the depths of immorality and uncleanness. Gone are the days when our nation, as it once had, had moral, high moral standards. The perilous times are here. Corruption is creeping into every family and society. The devil is earnestly at work seeking to destroy the souls of men. And young people are being introduced to worldly pleasure and immorality continually. And Satan's wiles. And they're being introduced to them early in life. We used to talk just about the TV. And the TV still is a, a place of corruption. With many of the programs that are shown. But now it's broadened out. When you think of the internet. You think of social media. And we think of what is being taught in schools. Or what they're trying to push in schools in these coming months and years. Uh, and I fear for the future of our young people growing up in this very sinful society. And politically, we have members of our government who are strangers to God and his law. And so them, to them, the Bible is, is something of the past. It's archaic. It's, it's out of date. It, it's not relevant for today. With all their learning and with all their education, they have failed to understand the ways of God. They have closed their ear to the understanding of God's voice. Instead of upholding God's laws, they are making, they are making laws and commandments to violate God's commandments. You think of murder. All the innocents that are murdered through abortion. Think of the, the Sabbath day constantly being broken. We think of of sodomy, we think of same-sex marriages, we think of what they call gay rights, we think of gender identity, and you could add so many things to the list. And Paul says, knowing the time, you've got to know the time, you've got to be aware of what is happening there in society. But not only is it a perilous time, but it's a time that is apostate. Let me give you the references which I'm sure most of you are familiar with and again you can read them for yourselves 2 Timothy 4 and verse 3 2 Peter 3 and verse 3 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18 and Jude chapter 1 there's only one chapter in Jude and verse 18 and you read those passages of scripture and you can write across this age in which we live and we ought to know about it it is the age of antichrist it's a day of cults and false religion and false prophets and ecumenism and compromise and deceit and falsehood. And men are despisers of the gospel. And they mock the preaching. And they refuse to own Christ. Indeed, it is a churchless age. Some of you are old enough to remember when people used to go to church in Northern Ireland. In fact, it could probably be said that the majority went to church in Northern Ireland 50, 60 years ago, 
that's no longer the case. And Ulster is slipping further and further into the abyss. Men are unconcerned about God. They're unconcerned about Jesus Christ and about eternity and judgment and heaven and hell. In fact, many mock God's word and despise the things of God and they they ridicule the great truths of Scripture. Yes, knowing the time, says the apostle. We've got to know it. And then we can say it's a time that is short. Let me read to you just one verse of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 29. Art thou bound on... No. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. But that little phrase, the time is short. We only have a short time. Don't you know that? The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that the devil knoweth that he hath but a short time. And of course he's existed a lot longer than you and I. But as we near the coming of Christ, as we live in these days in which we're living, these end times, the devil certainly knows that his time is short. He knows it, that he has this short time. And beloved, we need to realize it. Just the span. We've mentioned that recently. Just a little time on this earth. A swift ship that passes so quickly. Or the weaver's shuttle that goes through the loom so quickly. A shadow that appears. Or a vapor, as James calls it, that appears for the little time and then vanishes away. And soon we're going to speak the words of Paul. The time of my departure is at hand. And we must go the way of all flesh. Because we're not going to live forever. It's just a little time. And we've got to know the time in which we live. And then we can say it is a time that is opportune. You know the verse that says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. This is the gospel time in which we live. This is the accepted time. This is our working time. This is our rescue time. The only time to rescue souls from the devil, from sin, from the world, from hell itself. And soon will the season of rescue be o'er. And soon will they drift to eternity shore. And so we need to hasten, brethren and sisters, to rescue men and women. Our time in which to do the business of the king is running out. Because the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And so I ask you, do you know the time? Are you aware of what Paul is saying here? Knowing the time, this end time, these days in which we're living, what's happening out there? Then secondly, there is the awful condition of the believer. And and it's really summed up in the word sleep. These Christians, many of them, unto whom the apostle is writing, were, were sleeping spiritually. And Paul is writing to God's people. He's writing to the redeemed. To those, as we've seen who were the beloved of God called to be saints. Those who were, who, whose faith were, were, was spoken of through the world. And yet it seemed, it seemed that some of them at least, and perhaps for all we know many of them, they were sleepy Christians. They were not awake to their duties and responsibilities. And what is true of the Romans in Paul's time has been true of the people of God in every successive generation The church stands in need of continual revival, of continual awakening and stirring 
It's so easy to fall asleep. Some of you know that better than others. But you know, sleep and rest is necessary to the human body and mind. You can't do without needful sleep. And if you try to do without it, your physical and mental frame will, will soon collapse under the strain and weakness of doing without sleep. Everyone needs sleep, and some more than others. But surely something is wrong if a person is sleeping all the time. And they never awaken. It's also necessary to rest from our labors, our spiritual labors too, at times. That's why the Lord said to his disciples, Come ye apart into a desert place and, and rest a while. Our batteries need to be recharged. But again, something is wrong if the disciples were coming apart to rest all the time. Our text has something very important to tell us. It's showing us that some believers are, are spiritually sleeping. They're sitting back. You've heard the expression, the armchair Christian. You can just get the picture of someone sitting so relaxed in the armchair and maybe drawn up to the fire. It's not long, not long in that atmosphere sitting there that that, that person can succumb to sleep. And if you're doing that spiritually, if you're the armchair Christian, let us know tonight that you're not, you're not doing anything for the Lord and you haven't got the burden that God wants you to have for the souls of men. And so are you a sleeping Christian? Are you? You'll notice some things in connection with a sleeping person. Number one, they are unconscious to what is happening. You take a man who was sound asleep, he's not aware of what's going on. You can stand in front of him, wave your arms, you can make faces at him if you want, you can whisper behind his back, but he's totally oblivious to it all. And many a person has been, been caught and trapped in a burning, burning building in the still hours of the night because they were sleeping and they perished. Others have been gassed or, or murdered because they were unconscious to the approaching danger. And so it is spiritually. If you're a sleepy Christian, you're not going to be aware of what is happening around you. Your, your eyes are going to be shut to reality. You're not conscious to the fact that multitudes around us are going out into a lost eternity. Because you're sleeping, you see. Oh, you pass them every day in your walk of life. And you work with them. And young people, you study with them. And you live next door to them. And you meet them constantly. But your eyes are closed to the real condition of those individuals. They're rushing swiftly to hell. They're going down into the depths, into the caverns of the damned. And they are in danger of being lost eternally. And we're asleep. God of mercy upon us. Sleeping while the world is rushing to hell. A story is told of a, a father and his little boy went for a walk one day. And it was a beautiful sunny afternoon. And they sat down in the shade. But the little boy, he got up. He wandered about. He, he picked little flowers. He kept running to his daddy and showing these little flowers. But, you know, by and by his father succumbed to sleep. And when he awakened... He looked around, but he couldn't see his boy. He got up, looked a little bit further. He shouted his name, but there was no response. And he walked over to a nearby precipice, and he looked down, and there he saw the mangled form of his little boy in the rocks below. 
And he ran down and he picked up that little corpse. And the great dread in his mind was, while I was sleeping, my son perished. And my dear friend, that is a picture of what the church of Jesus Christ is like today. We're sleeping while men and women are rushing over the precipice into a lost eternity. And then not only are we unconscious to what is happening when we're sleeping, but we're not using energy. We're resting from our work. It's a natural assumption that when you are asleep, you are in the most relaxed condition, you are using the least amount of energy, you, you are certainly not working. And if you're a sleeping child of God, sleeping child of God, then you're not working for the Lord. You're not expending your energy and your strength in his service. And so you're failing in your duty and responsibility. And so we need to challenge ourselves tonight. When was the last time that you expended a little energy in your pursuit of a lost soul? Do you know what travail is? Do you know what it is to, to walk across the road to that man, that woman who knows not the Lord, and tell them of Jesus the mighty deceived? You know what it is to, to go and knock on a door and give out a gospel tract or, or tell your neighbor about the Savior. You know what it is to, to be up and doing in these days. Not using your energy for the Lord. Also when you're sleeping, normally you, you are in comfort and, and in warmth. That might be your bed, it might be at the far side. Admittingly there's something to be said for a nice Comfortable, warm, cozy bed, especially in the middle of the winter. On some of these days that we've had that have been more like winter than summer. When you wake in the morning, it's an unpleasant thing to, to think about getting up, going out to work, and leaving the luxury and, uh, of a, a nice bed, and going out into the frosty air, and maybe even the snow. Because you would rather sleep than face a hard day's work. And so it is with the sleepy Christian. They want to live a comfortable life, free from the cold and frost and storms of persecution. And so they sleep. They're not willing to step out on the hardship and of affliction. And so they take their ease. The Bible says, Woe unto him that taketh his ease in Zion. And then when you're asleep, you're usually content. And relaxed. And some Christians are content and relaxed about what they are, what they have. They wouldn't want to upset their normal routine or way of life. They, they read their Bibles 10 minutes in the morning, maybe spend five minutes in prayer, and they content themselves. I'm satisfied. They attend church once or twice a week, and they're satisfied. They're content with their attendance and they're content with the progress that they're making. Well, let me ask you, are you content tonight as a Christian? Are you satisfied with the progress that you're making and the progress of your church? If you are, you're sleeping. Well, there's always room for improvement and, and expansion. And then one other little thought, if you're sleeping, you could be dreaming. Some people dream about becoming a millionaire. Some people dream about owning a, a sports car or getting a better job or becoming a superstar or advancing in this world. Wonderful dreams about prosperity and, and ambition, but you know they're only dreams in most cases. 
And I wonder, are you a Christian that, you know, you've only got a dream, a vision, a spiritual dream, yes. You desire your family to be saved. You desire progress in your church. You desire the, the children's work to go forward. You desire to see more people attending the services. You desire the church of Jesus Christ to be built. Indeed, coming up to this mission, you desire people to come in, hear the word and be saved. But you know, it's only a dream that you have. It's not a reality in your life. It never comes to anything. You never do anything about it. And it soon leaves you. So I'm saying, examine yourself. Examine ourselves. The awful condition of the believer. One final thought, and that is the awakening that is needed and why. And in our text, the apostle, he says, knowing the time, it's now high time to awaken out out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So we need to be awakened. We need to be excited and stirred up. Some of God's people need, need a good shake, a good spiritual shake in order to awaken them. And sometimes it takes that. You ever see anybody in a coma? I have. We need spiritual dynamite to get some Christians out of the coma that they're in. Why do they slumber and sleep? It's time that they were, were up and about and became alert and watchful. It is high time to awake out of sleep. For the sun has been up for a long time. It is high time to awake out of sleep because others are awake and they're about us. It is high time to awake out of sleep because souls are perishing. It is high time to awake out of sleep for Satan sleeps not. You can be certain of that. Why do we need to be awakened? For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Heaven, the eternal joy and happiness and peace for the believer is now nearer to us than ever before. Nearer to us tonight than it was this morning and certainly nearer from the day of our birth. There is but a step between you and I and heaven. Death is coming and our time on earth will be over. Eternity is approaching and our work will be done. Time is now fleeting, the moments are passing. Passing from you and from me. Shadows are gathering, deathbeds are coming, coming for you and for me. Christian, awake. It's only what's done for Christ and eternity that's going to last. Thousands of souls are perishing in their sins every day. You must give an account of your stewardship. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. Pray. Pray in your heart right now to the Lord. Lord, help me to be alert. Make my conscience tender as the the apple of my eye. Awaken it and, and keep it awake. We need to bestir ourselves. We have responsibilities in this matter to shake ourselves. But it's not something that can be worked up in the flesh. We know that. Samson was, was asleep in the lap of Delilah. The Bible says that he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and, and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. 
And we need more than just shaking ourselves and going out. Because maybe the Lord's not with us. We need the work of the Spirit. We need the Holy Ghost to come and lay hold upon us. And then we need to pray for the Spirit to come. And genuine awakening is a work of the Spirit. He's the author of revival. It's the Spirit, says Jesus, that, that quickeneth. And as we approach the mission, let's look to the Spirit and let's pray that the Holy Ghost will come and that he will set the church of, of Jesus Christ on fire and that he will awaken us. I'm praying that I'll be awakened out of my sleep as the pastor, as the evangelist. And I pray that God's people will, will pray likewise. Lord, waken me up and help me to, to know something that's, that's spoken of in this text of Scripture tonight. Knowing the time, do you know it? Well, it's now high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. May God bless his word and just use it for his glory and his honor. We'll sing a hymn, 675, far, far away, but we're going to sing not far away. Think of Balamani, think of the surrounding villages and hamlets, think of the countryside. Not far away in heathen darkness dwelling. May not be millions that live here, but certainly thousands of souls forever may be lost. Not far away, maybe we could sing that and then think of the thousands rather than the millions right here on our doorstep.
just very quickly, those of you that came into this room and helped put into the boxes all those shoes, 1,450 of them, there was a consignment brought to one of the villages and these are some of the children just getting the shoes this week and very glad to receive off them. So again, we thank you for your, your hard work in this respect. We got a call last weekend from a mother whose little girl was ill and had to go from the, the village of Muldamanoa to travel to Timishwara to the hospital there and get treatment. Turned out the little girl had pneumonia and uh, one of the local pastors very, very kindly drove her uh, to the hospital on Monday. And she's still in the hospital. She's getting treatment uh, for her condition. And then there's also three lumps inside at the back of her neck that probably need to be surgically removed. And so just pray that there'll be wisdom given. This is the wee girl getting some kind of x-ray scans, whatever that machine is. I want to thank again those that came to the camp. This is the group, the adults and the children. Wonderful time that we had in the preaching of the word, especially gathering the children in, teaching them the word of God every day. And these were very, very special times. And on the last night, gathering around the campfire as we sang together and uh, just had that, I just say, a beautiful time of fellowship with the one with the other. Then all the more exciting things took place, you know, during the week, the activities. And the children really enjoyed the, the slippy slide. And, and um, we had the, the Ukrainians won. They, they beat the Russians. You want you to know that. <laughs> these, these children had a really good time. And on the assault course, you can't maybe see below that, but there's a lot of water lying. And uh, some of them, when you swing, you don't always get to the other side. Probably one out of ten gets to the other side. The rest uh, don't. And this is where they end up. And then, of course, the zip line and the, the building of the crates and so forth. So really lovely time. Thank you to the workers. Thank you to Wesley, our superintendent, and to those that helped out. Brothers and sisters, we continue to pray for you and the land of Ukraine. Um, most people here watch the news every day. We hear what's happening. We hear the destruction, the devastation. And so even though... A lot of time has passed by since February a year ago. Our hearts are still with you and we're praying for the cessation of this war that will come to an end, that God will intervene. We continue to pray for the sick and glad to be able to say that baby David has been better this week than any other week and we pray that that will continue. Still visiting the hospital, keeping an eye on him. Um, we're thinking of our sister Dorothy Blair is in hospital. Remember Dorothy at the throne of grace. Remember our brother John, as he continues to recover at home, he's hoping by the grace of God to, to come on the Lord's day. Pray that that will happen, that he'll be able to do that. Um, but if not, that the Lord will continue. Give him grace every day and encourage him in the Lord. Remember Davy Davison too, who's had procedures recently, that the good hand of God will be upon them. And all these others that need the Lord's touch. We come to our time of prayer, and that means that we, we say goodnight to those that join us on the internet and we're very glad to have had you for this time. May the Lord bless you as you go to prayer perhaps now for a little while. And we have